Good everyone. Welcome back to another Friday wrap episode, uh, Spark Your Fire podcast. Uh, as always, um, thank you for tuning in on this uh, lovely Friday or Saturday by the time that you guys probably hear this. <laughs> We've got our um, everyone's in-house today, which is which is great. You know, I, uh, I think we keep missing one member, as I kept saying, but uh, it's always good to have everyone back on deck. Jazz, I think you guys are back in lockdown again, if I'm not mistaken. Sixth lockdown, yeah. uh, it's getting very, very tiring. That's all I'll say. At least he's got a haircut, mate. Let me tell you, you know, John and I are daring for a haircut. Let's put it that way. The first thing though, so that's what we're going to do <laughs> when, when there's a bit of easing, that's for sure. Um, so knowing, knowing our premier, um, the five days that the city was open for, we tried to do as many things as we could. Uh, <laughs> and luckily haircut was one of them as efficiently as you guys all can. And I can imagine everyone's lining up outside of Barber to, to get it all done, right? So, and how are you doing, John? We'll come back. I'm good. Yeah, good Good to be back. Uh, you know, there's Jazz with a new haircut and I've, I've still got like last week's gravy stain on my T-shirt. Um, <laughs> so I've, I've just completely, <laughs> completely given up. But um, oh, I'm good. I'm good. You know, but, but, you know lockdown, hmm, not, not, um, not a fan. But uh, yeah, but here we are. Yeah. At least, at least the dress code has uh, has upped it since last week. Let's put it that way. <laughs> it's quite rare to see you in the casuals, but uh, yeah. So, so back to more of a business attire today. Just uh, right. nice, nice. Just one thing: it's important to still change your undergarments in law. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, too much effort though. Too much effort. You know. <laughs> I don't know. Oh. It's a good one. Um, all right. So we've got a few topics to talk about today. Uh, and I guess we'll, we'll, we'll jump straight in. So one of the key topics uh, this, this month is obviously the monetary policy and RBA's meeting for August. And um, as expected, no change in cash rate still remain at 0.1% is what everyone is kind of anticipating. Um and there are five key themes that uh, came out of it. And uh, I guess I'll, I'll set the background and then for our discussion point in that perspective. Um, so Governor Lowe has uh, essentially outlined that the economy has bounced back quicker and stronger than anticipated before. However, it has now been interrupted by the Delta variant, which we're all seeing now causing the flash lockdowns, causing the lockdown, the longer lockdowns in New South Wales causing the lockdown in Queensland as well. So I think at the moment, as, as we speak right now, all three states uh, or all three capital cities right now is actually in lockdown. So that's causing a bit of a dent in the economy's data. Um, however, he remains to be very, very positive and he expects that uh, it will bounce back quickly when the restrictions end. So as soon as you know, Australians get more vaccinated uh, as soon as we're able to get uh, the Delta variant under control. The economy, the pent-up demand uh, and the spending that people have been waiting eagerly to jump on is going to bounce back quickly to that, to that degree. Um, so that's good that he remains optimistic on that. I might just uh, make a pause on that because I think that there's a few points already that uh, we can discuss on that basis, okay? So, um, so yeah, we touched on economy is bouncing back quicker, uh, the Delta variant is causing a dent. However, um, he, he is still believing that after restrictions ending, then it's going to bounce back quickly uh, to that extent. And so what do you guys think to that? So do pretty we agree? much, I, I think based on 
the past experience with the lockdown, especially in Victoria. Uh, and now we are seeing the same thing happen in New South Wales, on and off in Victoria as well. Um, if history was to repeat, which most likely it will, there is going to be that pent-up demand once again. And when that pent-up demand uh, is, uh, when, the, when the cities open up back to COVID normal, I think we will see a strong demand in uh, pretty much uh, all parts of the economy. Just we saw it last time, including mm -hmm. the assets, which is real estate in this case. Uh, so maybe there's a temporary pause over here because uh, of the lockdown, a uh, bit of a plateau in prices for a few months before there's that sudden rush kick again from all the, all the buyers and especially with the listings and all, uh, the listings will be impacted as well. But as we head into spring, summer, more listings, hopefully the lockdown opens up, more listings show up. As the listings show up, the demand is gonna, there's gonna be, going to be a rush of the demand, which means we will see uh, pretty much very similar trend that we saw last time, in my opinion. Um, on the interest rates, no surprises over there. We discussed about the interest rates last week and over the last few months that the interest rates are not going to go up. So no surprises with the interest rates at all. Uh, however, there are talks about APRA implementing, implementing macro credentials if the market was to run hot like it did uh, in the past few months or almost a year, right? So mm. that's a space to watch, I think. Interest rates, now, APRA macro potentials for investors and in general uh, around the activity, investor activity space, uh, surely possible. We have said that as well in the past. I think I'll leave it there for now before we discuss the rest of the points, but let John give his input as well. Yeah, so Dr. Lowe is a central banker, so you, you can be sure that what he the opposite will happen. Um, their, their, their record of forecasting is unblemished with success. Uh, so here's kind of, um, when we talk about interest rates, we're, there are three things that we've got to remember. And, uh, and you've got to look at the RBA statements in the, in the following context. Um, so basically he, he's right. He, oh, I've just contradicted myself. He's right about the economy will bounce back. At least asset prices will bounce back after the lockdown because people aren't going to be fooled twice about waiting it out for a property market crash, right? So, so the property market is going to come back straight after. All that stuff is true. However, and here's why they can't put interest rates up in any meaningful way. Um, so he's wrong about that. One is that the Fed can't put rates up. The Fed came out this week, the same week the RBA said that they're going to stick to their guns and raising rates. The Fed came out and said they're not thinking about it. So they've, they've doubled down on not raising rates. Um, and the second point is what that means is um, if, the, if the Fed in the US doesn't raise rates and they're the reserve currency, um, if, if the RBA go ahead and start raising rates for Australia, which is, which is the right thing to do, but what it will lead to is a massive and uncontrolled appreciation of the Aussie dollar. They don't want that. They want to keep a lid on the Aussie dollar. So they have to wait for the Fed to raise rates before they start raising rates. And if that means that the economy rips and there's inflation, they'll let that happen. Third point is that they want inflation. So, that, so the, the, the central banks all over the world are kind of talking out of both sides of their face. 
um, which is a horrible expression, but uh, what I what I mean by that is they talk about wanting to keep inflation under control. They talk about, you know, for the last 20 years, they've said there isn't any inflation. However, central banks are inflation machines. It's in the sense all central banks do. Central banks do inflation because they, they print the money. So they're going to tell us that they, they want to control inflation, they want to keep a lid on it. They want inflation. There's too much debt. They need to default in the only acceptable way which is a currency devaluation. So, yes, they, they, need, a, they, need, um, they need to leave interest rates where they are to, to fuel the inflation that will inflate the debt away. Back to you in the studio. Oh, I think that's a good explanation uh, of all, but I think you, you stole a lot of the funders out of the last two points. That's put it oh. that way. <laughs> but anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll charge ahead with it. Um, okay. So you talked about the inflation, which is fine, which leads to the fourth point. You know, the wages, you expect that the wages and underlying inflation expect to be remain subdued, which is uh, as, as, as per what you kind of pointed out, you know, they want inflation to kick in. However, um, it's not kicking in at the moment. So clearly it's not working. So therefore, there's no reason to raise the cash rate anytime soon uh, until it has hit the level which they anticipate. And which also then leads to the last point, the monetary stimulus is providing substantial support. So um, as we all know, a lot of Australians at the moment is unable to work due to the lockdowns, due to COVID-19. So the printing machine is still running hot at the moment, um, even though I think from memory, uh, it is $5 billion a week at the moment. Uh, and they're anticipating to reduce that to $4 billion after September. Um, that could change, again, just depending on how the Delta variant uh, is, is playing out. Uh, but at the moment, they still stay firm uh, that uh, they're going to tune down a little bit on the printing machine uh, after September. So we'll see on that. But um, yeah, that, that basically is the roundup of the uh, August uh, monetary policies. And uh, I don't know whether you guys got any more things to add for the last two points. So one thing I will say, though, is um, watching at the velocity of money, uh, the M2 money supply. So we did see an uptick when the things started to open up again, right? Uh, but that has flipped again into negative or has started to basically drop again. So I think what we are going to see is the same issue which uh, we saw before where the velocity of money is going to go either into negative or slow down in general, but the asset inflation will, so most of this new money, the point is basically that most of this new fresh currency that is being minted or printed will essentially more go towards the assets itself rather than going into the economy. The purpose of RBA is to try and bring that money or the Fed is to try and bring this money into the economy. But I think that is still going to be a challenge because all of that money is leading into the asset inflation. So how they bring it into the economy will be the interesting thing to uh, watch because with the, all the lockdowns that are happening, uh, even with the, uh, the cash handovers that we saw happen in the US and in Australia, a lot of that has gone, in, gone back into uh, stocks and uh, cryptos and all that stuff. So there will be a space to watch to see how they're going to really inflate the economy, which is bring more velocity into the economy for the money. So that's something to watch and that's currently trending neutral to negative, more negative than neutral. 
Can they do that though? I mean, you know, ultimately they can't control in terms of how people spend their money. And it's clear that everyone is putting into the assets uh, because they know that money keeps losing value, right? That's why we're currently seeing, I think ASX has hit another high 7,500 points as at this point in time, just because people are having that, even though they print the money, they want people to spend it. They want people to use it to, you know, to reflect that on CPI and all that stuff, but it's not, it's not doing, it's not happening. So I don't, I don't know. Is there a way that they can, I don't think they can, they can control how people are going to use it. I think you just made a really solid point over there, David. Currently there is no way, but there has been a lot of talk about, uh, having a central control, which is like a Fed mm-hmm. coin or a RBA coin where they actually control how, at one, where this money goes, to what sector, what group of people, and put a tap on where the money is spent as well. And if the money is not spent into the economy, this is, we, we, we're heading more into the speculation of what is going to happen into the yeah. future, right? Yeah. But there has been a lot of talk about it. Uh, and if that was to be implemented in next year, two, three, whenever it happens, uh, or if they were to rush it like China is doing with the digital currencies, then they will have a full control onto your uh, uh, onto your uh, life to some extent, and they'll decide how you breathe, when you breathe, where you breathe kind of thing. Scary thought, isn't it? It is scary, but that's the part <laughs> it's leading to if it was to happen. Yeah, we've already got a taste of that. I would just add one thing to your point about the digital currencies. You're absolutely right, Jazz. I mean, that's that's going to be potentially the big revelation out of this is that um, the way they do stimulus in the future will be that instead of pumping all this money into the banking system and then it comes out through through loans into property, they just pump money into our own bank account, um, our RBA coin or whatever they're going to call it. <clears throat> and you're right, Jazz, they, they're going to say, this is what you need to spend it on. But... I think more importantly, they're going to say, this is how long you have to spend it. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, yeah. these uh, digits in the uh, bank account are going to disappear. So uh, at the moment, people are sensible, right? We're free market people. We all save some money. Like, you know, we, we get given a, some money and, and we save it. And that, that's as it should be. But, uh, but they, they, yeah, they don't want us to save it. They want us to spend it. So mm-hmm. only one thing I, I wanted to pick up on, which is this concept of money. Uh, the RBA governor said that, the monetary su- stimulus is working, or he said it's monetary. The monetary stimulus is providing support. My question is, support for who? Now, it's it's creating a lot of support for uh, asset owners. Dave, you, you've spoken about this a couple of times, and it and it, it I suppose it's trickling down, but it's not making everyone wealthy at the same rate. Um, and the reason for this, from an economic perspective, is that. Um, all the RBA can do is pump currency units into the economy, predominantly into the banks, right? So they can keep the banks afloat. They can expand the quantity of currency units, but they can't make us any wealthier. And the reason for that is because central banks can't put any productivity into the economy. They can't invent a new computer. They can't discover a new oil well. They can't find a new gold mine or a copper mine. So what they're doing is pumping currency units into the economy but not actual goods or services. And so what it means is the existing wealth is unchanged, but who gets access to the, to the resources change because whoever gets access to the printed money gets uh, the first claim on the wealth. So all this stimulus is just a wealth redistribution away from the poorest people. 
so whenever anyone sort of tells you that capitalism leads to income inequality, um, it doesn't in this sort of pernicious way. Uh, government interventions lead to, to income inequality. And this is, this is like the worst sort of income. The worst sort of government intervention is printing money and, and just crossing your fingers where it goes. T terrible, terrible stuff. Um, it leads to you know, social strife and all that stuff is probably around the corner because who can afford a home? I mean, I, used to, I, I never used to be quite so worried about um, housing unaffordability, but really it is, it is a big problem um, that you feel like you're being left out uh, of the prosperity of the nation. That's the real consequence of this, you know, so-called monetary support. Yeah, that's a very valid points, mate. Um, I reckon um, it'll be interesting to see what uh, what it, what it comes out next month uh, in terms of the uh, the RBA discussions. But uh, yeah, that's certainly heading that way. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, okay, so jumping onto one of our favorite assets when we're talking about assets property uh we have got the latest data from core logic for july uh as it well as at end of july i should say um because now we're in august um and some very strong numbers across the board i should say even though you know during lockdown times for example you know sydney still recorded a month a two percent growth uh over july uh, across the month and a 7.7 percent over the quarter uh, Brisbane, less impacted, 2% as well for the month, very strong results, um, and 6% over the quarter. Uh, Melbourne, I guess you guys got the start stop. So, um, you know, it's, it's again impacting, it's only about 1.3% for the month. Um, so that certainly had an impact on it uh, at a 4.6% over the quarter. Um, and uh, yeah, and, and Adelaide, 1.7%, which is also very, very strong across that month, um, you know, and a 5.3% across the quarter. So Canberra is probably the outstanding one uh, worth mentioning here, a 2.6% increase in the month. So ACT never fails to surprise us. Let's put it that way. <laughs> a 2.6% over the month and a 6.9% over the quarter uh, as well. So you know, we are seeing, even though with the Delta variants uh, starting to spread its infections across the country, we are still seeing a combined capital of about 1.6% in total across the month and a 6% increase across the quarter. So, you know, that's a, that's a very strong result, uh, the way I look at it, to be honest. And, you know, it, it does raise the question about unaffordability, especially at Sydney at this rate of growth you know it's already expensive before the delta variant has came in and even though there's less number of listings at the moment i think i read somewhere that the the, the sydney number of listing has dropped uh up to about like 70 percent or something just because people don't want to list it anymore um and that's therefore now starting to push the prices up again because less stock available demand's still the same like john and i has talked about this in depth last week um but it is scary when you look at these numbers um, you know, on, on average. So I don't know what uh, I'll open the, open the forum to you guys in terms of what are your thoughts about these figures? Uh, the first thing that comes to mind is the, how is inflation subdued? <laughs> right. <laughs> so I don't These numbers not being impacted. I'm not being counted into inflation. Exactly. <laughs> like we said in one of the podcasts before, RBA needs to just come on and explain why inflation is calculated the way it is calculated because that inflation figures means nothing when you look at the actual inflation figures which take into account the asset prices. Now, uh, 
property is an asset, fortunately or unfortunately, which is also a shelter. Uh, and when a shelter becomes unaffordable, uh, with the prices, with the price rises that we are seeing, uh, the big question is uh, how do you taper it, right? So uh, inflation is going to keep continuing for assets. We have discussed that many times. These figures, no surprises. Once the lockdown open, opens up, we we go into summer, spring. Uh, numbers are going to be probably even higher. With some of the predictions that we have seen that we were discussing before starting the recording was up to 220 per, up to 20% or 25% for this year. Uh, I don't know of any organization where the average uh, wage rate increases by even 5%. So looking at all that, uh, people who are in the game, fortunately, will obviously keep winning. But the ones who are not, especially during this period, the, the period that we're seeing with COVID asset inflation and all, I think will be, will have some pain, unfortunately, to go through. John? Yeah, looking, and the other thing is you, you can't outsave this sort of capital appreciation. So um, it's not like it's appreciating at, you know, 4% a year and you can probably save, save let's say 20% of, of that and you can keep up if it's if it's growing at um 22 percent a year or it's growing at like 19 percent per year in a, in sydney you can't and let's say that you know a million dollars 20 percent per year is two hundred thousand dollars you can't save two hundred thousand dollars so you can't keep up uh, and save your way into the property market so it's creating all sorts of all sorts of um dislocations um which are which are problematic obviously uh and so, you know, when I kind of jump into forums and people ask um, the collective wisdom on these property forums, you know, should I wait and buy when it cools down? It's like possibly, but you have to ask yourself when it cools down, will it be at a higher or a lower price? Um, so, so yeah, so there are two, two things I just wanted to, to tease out of the property data for, for, the, for the month. One is uh, that house and unit disparities the price growth in houses versus units is really 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 uh, big so over the last 12 months house price growth uh, grew by over 18 percent 18 and a half percent compared to unit price growth which was eight and a half percent so that's a big that's a big difference and given that you know people aspire to house ownership rather than unit ownership it's um there's sort of devils in the detail there because we always just talk about dwellings and the average house price. But actually, if the average house price rather than the average dwelling price is growing at 20%, it's impossible to keep up. Um, that's the first observation. The second observation is actually about just where is it growing the most? And interestingly, uh, the quote upper quartile is where most of the growth is. So these are premium properties. These are houses. Um, this is the, 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 you know, the most affluent areas. They're growing the fastest. The um, the upper quartile grew by about eight percent for the quarter, and if you think of the um, average dwelling uh, price, it was just under six percent. So the the yeah, so premium properties are growing even faster, which is sort of exacerbating these um, these uh, differences across the uh, across the income ranges. Um, but look, if you're a property owner, you'd be cheering at all this. I mean, um, and look, the three of us are, so that's obviously a good thing for us. Um, 
but obviously equal and equal amount of people would be um would be unhappy about this so yeah, you've made yeah. a very point, very good point. And I think that's what Jazz was saying about the, um, the you know, the wealthier and it just gets wealthier at the moment as well. And because the, you know, the, the wealthy and the capitalism, the people who've got the money at the moment are benefiting from all these money printing and therefore they've got more ability to be able to spend uh, in comparison to, I guess, the lower or the middle class who's a bit more vulnerable uh, in the current financial situation. And therefore, I think the way I look at it is that's why we're seeing the upper quartile is growing because those people who can afford it, who's got ability to be able to upgrade, they will upgrade, and that's well, that's pushing up that uh, that next level prices instead. Just one small thing, and this is just me being um, being uh, pedantic, but um, under 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 capitalism, there is no central bank. There is just sound money, and there is no central bank to issue it. So you wouldn't get currency debasement, and you wouldn't have so. Under a free market system, and the way we, the way the West became so wealthy is because we could save ourselves rich. Mm-hmm. Saving was rewarded, saving was incentivized, and then at the beginning of the 20th century, they introduced central banks, and from to essentially to fund World War One, and because so they start so that that was why central banks became introduced to to fund a lot of the wars in the 20th century because if you had to tax your populace to to go to war, it's not quite as easy as just printing the money. Um, so that, that's when we sort of ceased, we sort of turned our backs on the free market system. Um, and, um, and this wouldn't be happening if we did have a free market. So, Well, that's a, that's a really good point, actually. Uh, a free market ended long ago. Um, and the best way to look at it is the, when, when we start talking about repos and reverse repos, which are controlling the bond yields and all that stuff, uh, which is what all the, the whole system is built on. This is not a free market. In free market, you don't decide that the interest rate. The market decides the interest rate. Over here, central bank decides the interest rate of when they're gonna move the lever up or down uh, to control the assets and uh, let the inflation uh, run hot or not. Uh, what is free market, in my opinion, is what you're seeing happen uh, to some extent in the world of crypto where the yields um, are all the way up to crazy numbers, 20, 25%, right? When you look at that and you go, oh, hang on, no one is controlling this. There's no central bank. There's no central authority. uh, And the yields are this high. Why is it that in the traditional world, which is the current financial system, the yields or the money sitting in the bank is uh, earning no interest compared to Another parallel system, which is there, uh, obviously much more riskier, much more speculative, but is offering a lot higher yields. Uh, I'm not saying to invest your money in that space. What I am saying is it's telling something. It's saying something. And what it's, what it's saying is that it's a free market. Well, it's a truer reflection of the risk. So if you leave your money in the bank account and you're losing, what's the, what's the currency, what rate is the currency losing value at? I know that about 25% the, the, the money supply expanded about 25% last year. So let's say the dollar's real worth is losing about 20% per year, which is about the same amount of growth that the property market's getting. Now, you're not being compensated for that with a 1% interest rate on your savings. So um, what you're, I think my interpretation of what you're saying about the crypto market is if we let um, markets dictate prices, then 
uh, they would better assess the risk. And in the crypto market, it's saying that the risk of just leaving your money unproductive is probably 20%. That's what you need to be compensated for. Hypothetically, let's say uh, John has got a million bucks in his bank account. Uh, what's the interest rate that John will get? 0.74, maybe 1%, right? US last year, 35% of the money circulating in the system came into existence last year, the US yeah. years, right? Now, when you think about the interest rate for the money that you have got sitting in the bank is nothing, or maybe one person if you're lucky, but 35% of the currency has been freshly minted in the last one year. Your million is not million. That's gone down by 35% or more maybe. So why, why, why do we see asset prices going up? Asset prices are not going up. Asset price, even though they are going up, people are, people are not getting richer because the currency has just been debased. Yeah. You had a scale which measured one to 10. All of a sudden you said, you know what? The scale is not going to be one to 10. It's going to be one from one to 20. So uh, here's, a, here's a scary statistic. So if we talk about the quantity of money printed, so if we go from George Washington to the end of, um, end of Bush Jr., um, the US had printed 0.8 of a trillion. So what, 230 years or whatever it was at that stage, 220 years? Um, uh, George Washington to George W. Bush, they had sound money for most of that period of time and they printed 0.8 of a trillion. The amount of money that's been printed now is 8 trillion. And that's two administrations. Uh, yeah, uh, Obama, Trump, and yeah, I mean, what one year of one year of Biden, eight trillion dollars. So we went. That's crazy. So that's ten x, right? Almost ten x in two administrations. Correct. So ten x in two administrations. Uh, how much have we debased? You can just work out. Yeah, we're going deep today. This is this <laughs> this is. I mean, but this is why real estate works. I mean, if we go back to sort of why we, you know, we're all passionate about real estate, but essentially what's driving it is the money swishing around in the banking system. Mm-hmm. So whenever there's a stimulus package, it sort of goes into the banks first, and the the yep. you know the, the government runs a deficit, it has to borrow it, all that sort of stuff, and it it sort of makes its way fairly early on in that um, in that cycle to real estate owners. So you want to be, so now that we have a debt-based system since the 1970s, you want to own debt-based or debt-sensitive assets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For now at least. So the people who are actually losing money are the ones who have got savings right now, like actual savings. Correct. They are the ones who are losing money. Even though they're trying to do the right thing by saving money, protect their family, have buffers in place. But the reality is, it's the other way around. You're, you're, you you just lost 35% of your money uh, with, with, the, with, the, with the cash that's sitting in the bank account. Which is why everyone's putting money somewhere apart from the bank account. The moment, Which is, right? Everyone is looking at yeah. putting it in asset classes. Which is why Dogecoin is going up. <laughs> that one seems to always be the one that's get pulled out and, and slapped on. <laughs> <to be. laughs> Sorry, John. I think you had something to say before. Uh, I can't. No, say no, no. I, not, not really. I was going to. But Dogecoin is the perfect analogy of what happens that's, when money yeah. goes bad, right? So when money goes bad, you put your money into anything, and um, when money has value, as it, you know, when money was an, a currency was an equivalent amount of gold, you saved it, mm-hmm. and. Um, 
Yeah, and so, so you know, when, whenever they say, oh, it's too much speculation again, the free market gets blamed for all this stuff that, um, that, that's, that socialism produces. Um, you know, when all the speculation that occurs in the economy is because we don't have um, sound money, it's because we have central banks that debase currency and people are looking for ways to essentially get rid of their currency into physical assets. So they speculate on things, but that, that's totally antithetical to the... Um, yeah, to the free market. You got to look at the pre World War One era for when all of the, you know, when all of the prosperity was uh, was done. I generally think people are going to look back at this decade, in another decade or so, and say this was the period of hyperinflation, but we just didn't realize it. <laughs> and the reason it didn't got realized is for a simple reason uh, that the inflation was spread across in all the asset classes and with the new things like when you look at like so bitcoin that went from nowhere to a trillion dollar of market cap whereas in 2008 the fed's balance sheet the total money supply of us was under a trill now just ponder that on 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 that for a second in 2008 that total balance sheet of fed was under a trillion. Over here, an asset class within that same decade has gone from nothing to a troll. Plus all the real estate, the derivatives market, stock markets, doesn't end. So I think we'll look back at this time and laugh of how busy we were with the COVID. And we'll say it was obvious. Sorry, we're running off, we're running off completely off tangent here, but... Um... You know what makes this different to, to historical examples of hyperinflation? The thing that makes this different is because the most amount of mischief is happening by the world's reserve currency. And that's why we don't really know what to expect and why it hasn't happened and so on. Uh, for a long time, America's been able to treat the rest. I'm very pro-American, by the way. So this sounds like a, a big criticism, but it's just a criticism of the monetary system. Um, because it exports dollars and everyone around the world, in particular China, uses US dollars, China's just become like a 51st state, so just with really low labour costs. So um, they've been able to export their, uh, their inflation around the world and import deflation. So um, uh, that can only happen for a little while. Eventually, China's not going to want the dollars and all the money's going to come flooding back and that's the, the end of the end of the game I can't remember what I was going to say but let, we can I'm happy to leave. <laughs> oh yes but but because this the central because the um, US is being quite mischievous it's hard to know uh, how this will play out so when you know the the Reichsmark was being debased after World War one and the, the great German hyperinflation the pound was still sound the pound was still on gold so we don't really know we don't have an example of what what happened if the, the pound went you know, bananas. So we just, we, you know, we just don't know. So in, in, in absolute layman's term, what John is saying is that the reserve currency is having its edge over here. Yes, yes. There would be nowhere to hide, hide all the currency. Exactly. Whereas currently, because it's reserve currency, it's used globally, money printed. In this case, uh, you don't feel it that much relatively compared to a smaller country. That's not reserve currency. I think that's great conversation in depth, that's for sure. But uh, yeah, we've definitely gone way off tangent. Anyway, <laughs> so it's okay. It's good discussion though. It's it's definitely it, it definitely sparks a lot of uh, thinking, and and I hope that uh, our 
audiences find that uh, insightful. Well, you don't get this discussion every day. The podcast is called Spark Your Fire. It needs to initiate something, right? All good. All right. Well, look, gents, I think we're running out of time. Um, how are we looking in terms of crypto markets uh, this, this week? So the big news of the week was the Ethereum hard fork, Ethereum becoming deflationary instead of inflationary. Mm. I won't go too much into technicals. But that was the biggest piece of news, uh, which due to which I think we have also seen a bit of a pump in the prices. It's still trading within the range, which is that 30 to 40K range. Uh, so whether it has, whether we, what is not clear is that whether we are actually in a, uh, a bull market or a bear market in the crypto space. Uh, I think that will become more clearer over the next uh, few weeks by end of this month and that will decide which direction this market goes in but at this stage it's pretty much uh 50 50 buy the rumor sell the news kind of situation where ethereum hard fork is we bought the rumor now they'll sell the news maybe dump the market again there's always uncertainty in terms of the crypto market, I guess, in, in, in that respect. And John, it's, I know you being a free yeah. market. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Which is, <laughs> and a lot of times investors are not necessarily rational as well. When you look at it, you know, a lot of, a lot of things have been driven by fear and emotions. So, mm-hmm. um, but John, do you, I know you've been looking at crypto markets have been studying that as well. Have you got any thoughts about what's been happening? Yeah, I have a small exposure, but I'm way outside my lane. I don't know that much about crypto, um, yeah. but but obviously the the crypto 2.0, uh, sorry, the Ethereum 2.0 thing was the the big um, the big news. I think it went live yesterday or th- Thursday US time. Um, you know, there's so much noise in the crypto space. There's uh, like r- really um, strong authorities in the, in that market. The pioneers, the you, you know um, Max Kaisers, as well as uh, Raoul Powell and those guys. They're, they're talking about two hundred thousand um, dollar Bitcoin at the end of this year. I, I don't personally see how they, that happens, but um, but it's, it's such an interesting space, and it seems to be the precious metals market on steroids. Like it's just a really <laughs> contracted time frame. So everything happens just a lot more quickly. So it's it's very exciting, and um, uh, I think I think crypto is here to stay. But that, that, as we discussed earlier, there's a lot of uh, speculative money that will be lost in the crypto space. And you, you know, I think people just on yeah. that point, John. I think people already have lost a lot of money yeah. with the late entrants in the space who bought whether Ethereum at its top or Bitcoin at 65k. Um, as the market tanked by 50 percent, I think a lot of people got fear. Uh, yeah. That's why we have seen such a big correction. When yeah. so we have gone from euphoria, euphoria to a total fear stage, essentially, uh, and now it's bouncing in that range to decide what it needs to do. Over the few weeks, it will clear up. And I think there are too, too many guys without enough battle scars in the crypto space. So um, j- just not enough, not enough uh, Pavlov's dog, uh, y- you know, reflexive pain from years of being in the market. And to give an example, you know, this, this guy I listened to. Who follows uh, XRP? XRP is trading like sixty cents, but he'll say, "Oh, but, but you know, within two weeks, I think it'll be ten dollars." It's like, no, no, it, no, it's not going to go from sixty cents to ten dollars into, and a bit because the, there's been so much of that sort of craziness in the crypto market, it sort of distorts your perception of what's possible. Mm-hmm. And especially with the uh, people who are in the crypto market are generally youngsters in their twenties, maybe early thirties, who don't know who don't understand the market, financial financial markets. 
just like property, any newcomer who comes into the property space, no different from that. Uh, they make their mistakes, they're in a rush. When they see the market going up, uh, they'll probably buy at the right at the top of the cycle, property cycle, and then sell as the market crashes because they're worried off, they've lost the money. That is happening a lot more in the crypto space because crypto is an easier transaction. You just create your account and exchange, you buy the coin, whether it's 10 bucks or 100 bucks. Property is a bigger transaction. So you don't feel the pain that much. Whereas in the crypto space, uh, the bloodbath is much more visible and clearer with these youngsters, especially when you look at some of the YouTube channels, all the stupidity that they talk about, like what John was just mentioning before with XRP hitting 10 bucks. I mean, look at the market cap of XRP if it hits 10 bucks. And what is XRP? What does it do? Fuck all. Um, so it's. I, I think that's where these people... Uh, the youngsters really get caught. Hopefully a channel like this and other good podcasts can help them. Uh, that's that's the aim. Uh, so don't get caught in the noise of, oh, Bitcoin's going to hit 200K by end of the year. Maybe next five years it will. Uh, maybe it will earlier, who knows? But if you don't understand the market, either just do a DCA or just stay away from it, right? Don't put all your savings into it. Don't lose the money. Uh, and we have seen that repeated time over time that it happens. How's te David? Is Tesla shares tracking the Bitcoin price? I it was at so. one I stage. I haven't specifically compared or them side by side, but uh, uh, no, no, I, I don't. I don't think so. I think. I mean, Tesla is also being very speculative, right? So, um, not so. I, I think there might be. Two different types. So people who people who buy in Bitcoin doesn't necessarily would buy in Tesla to the to that degree. Um, yeah. So, and plus, it was yeah. only what the one percent of the purchase or ten. It's very small. Yeah, so it's very small. Track the Bitcoin yeah. price. No chance. All right. Well, I think, gents, uh, that's pretty much for this week. I reckon. Anything else you guys want to cover? I think that's it, John. Anything you would like to speculate on? And, and uh, ooh, speculation? No, nothing. <laughs> all, all, all good, all good. Awesome. Um, to the listeners listening to the show, like always, markets are crazy. Uh, don't get caught in the euphoria. Uh, don't over leverage. Play safe, stay safe, and we will see you guys next Friday with whatever is happening in the financial markets. And if nothing is happening in the financial markets, I'm sure we'll look at. Um, uh, Prince Harry, I guess, in that case. <laughs> but see you guys next week. John Jansen Nevitt.